This is The Big Sci-Fi Podcast. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. We're Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, and we love talking all things science fiction. This is season four, but our human adventure is just beginning as we gather around our computer consoles to discuss the science fiction of film, television, and literature. Join us on our quest for fun and fascination as we go where no podcast has gone before. Everyone has permission to come aboard the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, but make sure to find your seat fast because we're taking off in three, two, one. Hit it. This podcast is a part of the Trek Geeks Network. Yeah, absolutely. As a former uh, movie critic, the fact that Mary Robinette has basically taken the bones of the Thin Man movies and transmuted them uh, into space is both delightful um, and extremely clever. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that's been kind of fun about this year is that it is, um, you know, looking at what has been nominated and people are like, well, why these books? And I kind of have a theory um, this year as to why this particular set of books has got nominated, because a lot of the books are um, a lot of the books are lighter than um, a lot of previous year nominations might have been. Um, and, you know, are some of them are funnier. Some of them are um you know uh, cozy uh, mm-hmm. i think is a word that gets used particularly in the case of legends and lattes um travis's book um and i think the reason is is we just spent a whole bunch of years under lockdown and and in stressful times and so to have a bunch of books where they were like hi here's you know for the next 300 pages you get to escape into a world and enjoy yourself and have a laugh and, and mm-hmm. you know, have a cozy experience. People were so excited and relieved to have that, that when it came time to nominate books for awards, those were the books that were on top of their, uh, at the top of their mind. If we hadn't have just been through everything that we'd been through for the last couple of years, we might have had a completely different set of, of nominees. And I include my book in that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... We did have those couple of years, and I think people were looking for mm-hmm. something to get them out of their own heads, and that's why we have uh, some of the books that we had this year. Yeah, and I know the last few years have definitely informed what my books have turned into. I mean, the the, the set that's out now was always intended to be kind of humorous, but the yeah. novel that I'm writing right now that comes out in a few months, it started out as something a lot darker, but I completely rewrote it to lighten it up and make it like kind of fit in that still humorous witty ish kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah well because i i because it's after cute you know crazy foolish robots and all that that kind of lightness is working for me so Mm. i kind of want to stick with that and i like it i i I, because i yeah i don't even want the heavy (laughs) the heavy dismal stuff either just myself you know i I want to i'm writing books that i would want to read Right. And I think that that's it's just the moment right now. It's not going to last. I mean, everything ebbs and flows and comes and goes and stuff like that. Um, uh, And it's not to say um, that the the books that have come out that have been heavier are not worth consideration. It's just Mm -hmm. every every award nomination, every bestsellers list, all of that sort of stuff is always a snapshot in time. This sort of taking the temperature of the culture at that particular moment right. and at this moment here's where we are right that, that's fair that's fair so one of the other things I'm, I'm really curious about so you know yes awards and things but 
some of your books have been optioned for film or TV series, yet there isn't yet a film or TV series. Like, can you talk about, are you hoping one of those will pan out and which one would you choose oh, if you I could mean, choose? I mean, uh, I mean, it's hard to say, and not just because they're, we're currently on, you know, everything is on strike, yeah. uh, but it's also more of um, after a certain point, it is just, what do you want to get? What do you want to get on the screen? I want any of them to get on the screen. Mm. You know, whichever one of them it makes it is, you know, going to make it. You know, so right now, the ones that I can talk about, you know, we have Old Man's War at Netflix. Mm -hmm. We have uh, Kaiju being set up as a, as a TV series. Um, a TV a series, okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, there's there are a couple others that are under option um, and that I can't talk about right now um because they haven't they haven't been announced yet um you know now there has been stuff of mine that has been you know released obviously the episodes of love death and robots mm -hmm. you know uh, they're all short stories as opposed to novels um and i've been absolutely delighted one you know that anybody was looking at my short fiction in the first place um and also um that Blur Studios and Netflix and the individual animation studios that were doing each of those episodes have done such a terrific job with them, right? Um, but yeah, you know, the thing about it is, um, like, for example, Red uh, Old Man's War. Old Man's War has literally been under option for 15 years now, 15 mm -hmm. years. And it's gone from it was originally at Paramount and then it was a sci fi channel and now it's at Netflix. And, uh, you know, uh, all the time people have been excited and they've been absolutely trying to get it made. And then for whatever reason or another, it hasn't gotten made. And this makes it absolutely no different than basically any other thing. It took um, it took um, Sandman. Right. Uh, it took 30 years for Sandman to get made. It took 30 years for uh, Dune to get made. And then it took another 30 years for it to get remade. Mm -hmm. um, Starship Troopers also was 30 or 40 years before it got made. We, we don't talk about Star Trek. Star Trek. Uh, Star 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 Trek. No. Wait, we oh, don't? Yes, we don't oh, yes, we talk do. about uh, uh, yeah. that movie, uh, yeah. Brian. That's another, that's another, yeah, yeah. That's another topic, yeah, no, we could, we could go. We could go on. Yeah. I personally... I personally love the Star Trek uh, Starship Troopers movie, and it's weird how coincidentally there's uh, an entirely separate novel of the same name. Um, that's, <laughs> that's, basically, that's a really that's good way to put how it. I work with that one. Be that as it may, um, the the time that it's taken is not unusual for for <laughs> Hollywood. They still haven't made, um, you know, Forever War. They still haven't made the Hyperion series. It took them thirty years to make. Uh, Ender's Game. You know, all of these sorts of things, they always take time. Um, and in the meantime, as I say, um, the Old Man's War options paid for my daughter's college. So, you know, can I complain that it's taken that long? No, I can't. You know, every time somebody gets optioned, um, they come with a bucket of cash. You know, some mm -hmm. buckets are larger than other buckets. Um, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a, I can't complain that they don't make them when they keep buying them to make them and not making right. them. And right. then, yeah. you know, and then I keep making money from that. Um, I have been fortunate at the very least that there are still have interest in keep trying to, to make them. Um, and I would love for any of the things that I have that are currently under development 
to to make it to the final line because among other things when you actually get something made something is greenlit something is put into production then every single other thing that you uh, that you have under option its value goes up right mm. uh, and beyond that um you know there's the simple fact of the matter like as much as you may or may not like Starship Troopers or the Ender's Game movie or any of that sort of stuff, the simple fact of the matter is um, that when those movies came out, those books sold hundreds and thousands and millions of copies. Yeah. Um, you know, when I I remember the very first one of the very first discussions I had with the people who were wanting to make Old Man's War as a movie, right? Um, you know, and they were talking about how they really loved it and how they, you know, were looking forward to putting it together now. And, but that there, you know, I, there were going to have to be changes made. And I was like, let's have this conversation now. So we never have to have it again. I want you to make a movie that when people see it, they can say, yes, I can see, um, why they made those changes because a film is not a book. Um, and they're not necessarily the changes I would have made, but I can see why they made it. And they've made a movie that is, gives me the same sort of feel that I got when I, you know, read the book. I said, but if you can't do that, then make a movie that makes a truckload of cash, right? <laughs> because, if, because if that happens, then what happens is the books sell three or four million copies right. and, and I, and I, and I weep about the destruction of my source material in a hot tub full of cash. Do you <laughs> want to be, in, do you want to be involved if, if they actually like, were to was board, do you want to be involved? Yeah, me too. Well, we, the way we have it now is that, and when I first started selling things, um, I was generally not involved, but now we have it as a line item that I have to be a, usually an executive producer. Right. And what that means and people are like, ooh, executive producer. It's like that can mean anything from they want you actively engaged and involved um, to here's an extra big bushel of money. Go away. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, right. And you get credit. Now, most of the people that I'm working with do want me involved. Right. Because rumor has it that I know something about the work. Um, so. Um, but the but the thing that you do have to understand is like like they will give me the script and they're like, can you give us notes on the script? And I'll give them notes on the script. And sometimes okay. they will take those notes and sometimes they won't. As an executive producer or as anybody engaged with it at all, um, I get a say, but I don't mm. get the final say. If so you wouldn't you, know, be, you wouldn't be writing the script at all then. You that would go to something no, entirely different. Generally speaking, uh, no, we want other people to write the scripts uh, for two reasons. Um, the first is um, script writing is a very specific skill. Uh, and while uh, thanks to Love, Death and Robots, that is a skill that I've acquired now. Okay. Um, for a long time, I didn't I didn't have that skill. Um, and so it made more sense to actually have somebody else do it who actually knew how to write in that format. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is, again, um, when you option something for film or for television, um, then, you know, the simple fact of the matter is it is an adaptation. And the and the writer who is the novelist is not necessarily mm -hmm. going to make the correct decisions that the writer who is the screenwriter will make. Mm -hmm. um, and I will give you an example of this, which is 
that we had the interdependency series in development for a television script. Um, and uh, the, the screenwriter who worked on that uh, turned in a script that did a bunch of things that I didn't think of and I wouldn't have done. And that script was terrific. It was literally, I just, anybody who knows me is like, when they give me a script, I'll be like, I have so many notes for you right now. Um, yeah. And I had no notes except for a very small technical issue that could have been fixed by changing two words. The script was just that good. Mm, um, wow. and, and I could not have written that script. I absolutely could not have written the script because it would not have occurred to me to do the things that she did um, as the screenwriter, right? It just wouldn't have occurred to me at all. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and that was one of the reasons why it absolutely sells me on the idea that it's okay to have someone else other mm -hmm. than the novelist um, do it. You have to have someone who is at least as invested as you are in the project, right? Um, and this particular screenwriter would have been the first time that she would have been the showrunner. So she, this was her shot, right? So she was as invested in it as, as I was. And because of that, it was a terrific, terrific script, which unfortunately did not go forward, which makes me angry because it would have been amazing. <laughs> it really should have, yeah. Yeah, it really, really should have. But you know, but these are the way these are the ways that it goes. And quite honestly, um, like I said, it sold me on the idea that it's okay to have other people work with the, with it because they will see things that will make it work better in that format than necessarily mm -hmm. you will. Now, again, if they say we want you to write the script, I'm like, okay, I will. Um, because again, it's more money and it's more control. Um, but I'm not, you know, feeling like I'm left out in the dark if I'm not, especially if as an executive director or executive uh, producer, I get to put in my notes anyway. Mm -hmm. So with, with Love, Death and Robots and the four episodes that you wrote, how did that come about? How did, how, did, how were you presented? Did they come to you and say, hey, John, um, we really like the short stories. We like the concept. Write the script for us, please. Well, everything that um, everything that I uh, get to option goes through my manager and my agent, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's basically what happened. Tim Tim Miller, who was one of the uh, producers with um, David Fincher of Love, Death, and Robots, was a fan of my writing um, and had read my my book of short stories, which is called Miniatures. All of these very short short stories like 2000 words or below and uh was like we would like to option these for this thing and i was like okay because i literally never expected any of those stories to be optioned at all because nobody looks at my short stories so i was like why the hell not <laughs> um, i have to know <laughs> yeah yeah um and then um and so and then i met with tim miller who is uh, aside from the producer of this uh is well known as the director of the first Deadpool movie, um, and and we just hit it off. And so um, so when they were making the first season, so I had three episodes in that season, um, mm -hmm. none of which were this, none of which I wrote the script for, but I, the short stories I did. Um, Philip Gillette wrote the the scripts for two of them, um, and oh, I can't remember her name, but she wrote the, but there was somebody else. Uh, who has wrote for um, When the Yogurt Took Over and did a really great job, and I'm really embarrassed. I can't remember her name right at the moment. Um, 
but uh, so those scripts were were written by them, but they kept me in the loop and they were like, what do you think of these scripts? Um, here's what some of the art looks, looks like. Here's the roughs of it. So every step of the way. So when they came to the second second and third seasons, um, they were, you know, I, they were like, just write them. Right. You know, um, okay. so we adapted um, the um, automated customer service and uh, then the sequel to the three robots are both the, that I wrote and I wrote the scripts. And of course, the lots of back and forth and, you know, uh, had to serve more than one master, which I don't have to do as a novelist, but you know, you, you do it. Um, and it was a lot of it's just based on the fact that um, having worked with me and seen how I was engaged with the first season, they were like, we can absolutely work with you. So let's, let's do that. Um, and I have to say that generally speaking, um, and I'm not covered by, I'm not a member of WGA, um, so I can, I, and, and the Love, Death, and Robots is covered by, I believe, the Animation Guild anyway, um, so I can talk about it right now. Um, I can say that working with the folks, Tim Miller, Blur Studios, um, and Netflix was just one of the best experiences I've had working with people in LA because they listen. They don't always agree, but they will absolutely always listen. There's a good, healthy back and forth. They're super engaged in everything that they're doing. Um, and they were just, uh, there was a lot of respect even when they were telling me no about something. Right. Okay. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of the best case scenario where you're like, you know, like I said, you know, it's very rare that I will get the final say with something, mm. but at least, you know, at least in this particular case, when I was being told, no, we're going to do something different, I absolutely understood why they were doing it. And even if I disagreed at the time, by the time that the final rolled through, I was like, okay, you were right. <laughs> so, so let me ask you a couple of questions. Number one in yogurt, did you choose protecting Ohio because of self-preservation? Oh and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I live in Ohio. That's right. And number two, did you have a bad experience with customer service when you wrote the animated robot episode? Because it sure seemed like it just, you know, it's one of those things like I'm frustrated because I'm not getting customer service. And so, of course, mayhem happens. We've because all of it. had frustrating, <laughs> like. No one, no one comes away from a customer service thing going. That was there I like really... one specific event you went like, <laughs> I'm so pissed, I'm no, so no, angry, no, 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 I'm no, gonna, no. I'm just gonna go with this. So, so with the yogurt one specifically, the reason that that, that was written um, was it was literally meant to be uh, an exercise in here's here's a classic format yeah. for the for a science fiction short story, which is take a weird idea give it a level of plausibility, see it through to the end, uh, raise some big questions and, and leave people hanging all mm -hmm. in 1000 words. It's literally mm -hmm. a thousand word short story. Um, with automated customer service, the impetus from that, aside from, you know, you know, the customer service going haywire and that's funny, um, is when I go on book tour, as I'm about to go on book tour, um, what I usually do is, aside from the reading, which would either be from the current novel or the upcoming novel, um, I will frequently uh, read something that is, you know, just a short, funny piece um, because it's always fun. And that's where the short stories happen. Like it's literally a it's a tour story. Um, mm -hmm. And that was just based on the fact that, you know, 
anytime that you deal with customer service, you know, you know, please pay attention because the options have changed. They have never changed. They have never changed. That is just their way of saying, we want you to pay attention. So we're going to lie to you about the options have been recently changed. Right. Um, and all of that sort of stuff. So just sort of playing off the changes with that. One of the things that I really love doing with my short stories, um, and if you read miniatures, which is a collection of short stories, you'll see that, is looking at everyday sort of interactions and putting a science fictional twist on them. Mm -hmm. um, so with automated customer service, it really was, oh, you're being murdered. Um, you know, can we, can we, you know, how, how are we going to make this, how, how are we going to deal with this? Now, funnily enough, there was a previous thing that I did with Mary Robinette, um, where we did a sort of improv thing where the concept was, uh, very similar to that. She played, uh, the person who was calling in, um, about a 3d printer going, uh, sort of haywire. Uh, and I was the live customer service person who was kind of stoned. Um, <laughs> and um, and that was a lot of fun, but it was all very improvisatory, whereas mm -hmm. this one was, you know, it was just something that I read up for fun. Um, Actually, one time uh, Stephen Colbert impersonated a, a customer service person for the uh, Butterball Turkey at Thanksgiving. And I mean... Oh, yeah. That's and it was hilarious. Hot. It was hilarious because the advice he gave was literally causing tomaine poisoning to happen. So, you know, I can see where it would have gone fun with a little uh, improvisational humor on something like that. Right. No, you don't want to actually expose anybody to liability, but it sure no, is fun. No. <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned the, the upcoming book tour. Um, are you actively like when you're when you go on these tours and stuff, do you get a chance to write? Are you thinking about your next project? Are you just not? I usually don't write when I'm on tour uh, because the the tour process is not conducive to it. Mm -hmm. um, and other people disagree. I remember one time I was on tour with with Corey Doctor and we did three um, we did three events together and he would come down out of the hotel, you know, and get into the car and we'd be being driven to wherever it was going. And he'd pop up his laptop and he would stop, he would start writing. And I'm like, wow. dude, if I, if I did that, I would throw up, right? <laughs> because I'm in a car. Um, but also I'm just generally not in that framework. That said, I have a new novel that I'm working on um, and I'm going to try as I do every time, maybe to try to do a little bit of writing when I'm on the road, but I don't, I don't beat myself up if I don't actually get it done. Because the other thing is, is like, like here's the schedule, like, right? Which is you wake up at like five o'clock in the morning so that you can be on the earliest possible flight. So if there's a connection flight mishap, you don't completely miss mm -hmm. your next stop. Um, you get there, uh, you check into the hotel, you have a little bit of time to, you know, get yourself set up. You go to the bookstore, you schmooze the booksellers, you sign, you know, the stuff that you need to sign in advance. You do the event, you do the after signing, um, you go back to the hotel, um, you shove some food in your mouth, you go back to, you go to sleep as early as possible because you have to be up at 5 a.m. the next morning uh, and you repeat. There's no romance on, <laughs> you know, to, to, the, to the touring life. And I don't know how musicians do it for three months straight. Mm -hmm. I'm doing or longer. This one for yeah, I'm doing this for two uh, two weeks. I have eight stops. 
Then I get on a plane in Cincinnati and I fly to Budapest because I am the guest of honor at the uh, Budapest International Festival of Books this year, um, which was kind of wild. Their previous uh, guest of honor was a Nobel Prize winner. So when they were like, we want you to be our guest of honor, I'm like, did somebody drop? What, did <laughs> somebody break a leg? And like, no, no. You're very popular. You're very popular in Hungary. So I'm like, yeah, okay, nice. I cool. will absolutely do that. But it is, it's a lot of, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of, and, and it's a lot of uh, tiredness. I remember when I went on my very first tour, um, and this was back when they still had media handlers, right? Um, mm. And they're like, you'll have a media handler at each of your stops. I'm like, why do I need someone to tell me when to eat? And it turns out after three days, I knew why, because I was just so discombobulated. They're like, okay, here's a granola bar. Eat that. Here's a bottle of water. And now I'm going to take you to your signing. Uh, and now I'm going to take you back to your hotel. I'll be here to pick you up. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that sort of stuff. Nowadays, they're just, Tor knows that I am can take care of myself. So they're just like, get an Uber. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have a really technical question. You've probably never been asked this before. <laughs> oh boy. Um what what is your drink of beverage when you're writing? What is your Ooh. choice of beverage? Ah put that so eloquently. Well, is we have zero? A... It is Coke Zero. Is, is uh, Coke. I'm drink. I'm drinking Dr Pepper, but I prefer Coke Zero. Sweet. Here's the funny thing, which is that um I mean I stopped drinking sugared cereal, uh, sugared cereals. I stopped drink, drinking sugared sodas <laughs> a long time ago um, because um, otherwise I would just, I, mm -hmm. I would probably be dead of, you know, diabetic coma with the amount mm -hmm. that I drink. Um, but I still need caffeine and I don't drink coffee because I think coffee tastes terrible. Um, <laughs> and the thing about Coke Zero that differentiates it from Diet Coke is Diet Coke is um, the the new Coke formula, like it's literally the mm -hmm. new Coke formula, whereas Coke Zero is the classic Coke formula, mm -hmm. uh, obviously with an artificial sweetener. Um, right. And so it actually tastes like Coke is supposed to taste, unlike Diet Coke, which tastes like malted battery acid to me. I agree 100%. Yes, with you. Yeah, that's that's it's my like wife's it. drink of choice is Coke Zero, sugar-free. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, you know, and generally speaking, it, it tastes great. And so I drink ungodly amounts of it. It's honestly mm. uh, a surprise to me that I haven't gotten like kidney stones yet with the amount that I suck down. But <laughs> um, you know, but it's got just enough caffeine that right. you know right. I can get through uh, whatever it is that I'm doing. Although currently uh, I'm drinking a zero caffeine version um, because oh, okay. it's after, as we are recording it. It is after 7 p.m., yes. and if I have too much caffeine too late, yes. then I'm up all night thinking about my sins. Yes, <laughs> that, 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 that's no good. That's no good. Well, so uh, when you're on the tour, if you're not writing, are you reading or listening to anything? Um, sometimes I'm reading. Um, often I'm on social media. I used mm -hmm. to do the former Twitter a lot, but I'm on there a whole lot less these days. Um, so now my social media uh, a choice uh, of choice is Blue Sky, which is still mm -hmm. in beta. Um, and then I will also pop up on Mastodon and threads as well and just kind of chat to do that. You know, my little bit of I'm an introvert, yet I still need to socialize thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I will try to sleep because uh, especially sleep is I'm, good. 50, I, I'm 54 now. I need more sleep than I did when I was mm -hmm. 
44 or 34. Um, and I used to think that I would resent the fact that I just want to nap more. But in fact, I'm angry at younger me for not taking more naps because naps are mm-hmm. awesome. Yes, um, they it's are. good. Yes, all the old people agree. Naps are good, <laughs> um, but it is. They are. They're actually really, really great. Um, and the thing is, is like I always, I always have when I'm going and doing events and stuff like that. Um, there are two things that people will be like. They'll be like, "Hey, do you want to go out and do something?" I was like, "No, I want to sleep because again, I have to get up early." But also, I'm just old now. Um, or the other thing is they're like, oh, you're coming to town. Just so you know, if you travel like 45 minutes out of town, there's this great hot dog place. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going, I'm not going across the street. If I'm, you know, I'm literally going to like eat room service if I actually make Uber eats. Yeah. You know, no, I'm not going to minute hot dog come to you. Yeah, no, I mean, or just order from, you know, room service, you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. but, the, but the point is, is like I said, people are like, they want to be helpful. And I really appreciate that. Like, you could go sure, do this sure. or you could do this. So it's like, no, I'm literally, I'm not here that long. I'm literally here long enough to get to the hotel room and then get to the event and then get to the airport. And then I'm off, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, that whole thing, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like. I'm not here that long, so enjoy me now. Sort of thing. <laughs> you know, sort of sort of thing. It would be really super romantic, except that you know, it's like no, yeah. it's like you know, it's like no. I'm 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 going to my hotel room. I'm going to sleep. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that sounds that sounds like a, a great time. <laughs> It is. <laughs> no, I sleep is good. No, no. Do uh, no, seriously, sleep is like that. sleep is the best and you need sleep and we need sleep. And people ask yeah. me how yeah. I get so much done yeah. and it's because I sleep so that yeah. I can no. do a lot. And then if I you don't have enough sleep, then you get you get angry and surly and all this sort of stuff. And the other thing is, is that um, I am an introvert posing as an extrovert when I do these uh, when I do these uh, events. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly after the pandemic and particularly after having gotten COVID, um, it seems to have reset my, my ability mm. to extrovert meter. Mm. It is mm. so much less than it is than it used to be. I used to be really good. I could extrovert all night. Right. Uh, and now I get to the point where I'm like, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. You all must die in a fire. Um, <laughs> really, it times very well towards the end of the event. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the thing is, is that then afterwards, people are like, you know, even if I, even if I was awake, you know, and people are like, hey, do you want to go out and do something? I was like, no, I am, I'm done with humans. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, uh, yep. I, I need to go, I need to go and depressurize because tomorrow I have to see a, another 200 of you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and I want to be clear, it's not like I'm like, you know, resenting having to see people because yeah. I really genuinely do like to be on tour. I really do like meeting uh, people who come to my events. I'm super appreciative that they show up and they want to see me and I want to make sure that their time with me, they feel that it is time well spent. But when I am done, when I'm done, Mm -hmm. I'm done. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, I was going to say that's one of the best things about the internet in the last few years is I think a lot of people have become educated on what an outgoing introvert is because I, I, you know, went through a lot of of time in my life where like people assume 
I'm an extrovert because I'm very outgoing when I am around people, but they sure, don't know sure. that once I'm done with people, yes, then there is the, I am, I am done with people for now. I like people, but right. now I'm done. I need mm -hmm. to recharge. Right. And especially yeah. yourself, who's, yeah. you know, you're meeting these people for the very first, they know you from your writing. You don't know them because they're coming up to meeting you for the very first time. And they may be asking you the same question over and over again. What's your favorite novel? What's your favorite novel? What's your favorite novel? And sure. you, you have to be gracious and you have to understand that you want to give each one of these people their time. They bought your book. Yeah. You're going to autograph it. You're going to write something nice, maybe nice chatting or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, with the end of the day, you're like, okay, I've met enough people. I don't need to meet anymore. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and the, the person who actually gave me some really good context for this uh, is uh, to come back around um, uh, our good friend, Will Wheaton. Um, who knows something about meeting people mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. right. and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and he said it, he said it best. He said, he said, look, you are going to see sometimes hundreds of people in a day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you won't remember them all, but that one person is there to see you and they mm -hmm. will remember everything about the time they spent with you. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure that when they're spending the 30 seconds or a minute or whatever with you, that that you are 100% engaged with them because they will come they will come away and they will absolutely remember. And it, and it makes sense to me because I will see a couple hundred people on tour or whatever, um, and they're all literally in the short-term memory buffer. It just mm -hmm. goes out the window the you know as soon as I'm done. But they will remember having met me and they will remember if I was rude to them or if I was mm -hmm. tired or if right. I was obnoxious or, or dismissive. Right. Um, and so it's, you know, it is a performance it is the thing. It's not an insincere performance right. because mm -hmm. I really do want mm -hmm. everybody who comes and sees me and gets a book signed and has that 30 seconds or a minute with me to feel like that 30 seconds uh, to a minute were genuine and that I was genuinely happy to be spending it with them, which mm -hmm. again, um, I absolutely am. But yeah, cool. when I'm done, I'm done. But you, you don't act, you don't expect them to act meeting you like you met Tom Hanks. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know? No, no, no. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I live with me every day. I know that I'm no big deal. Right. You know, but it is one of those things, you know, it is, but it is one of those things that, you know, uh, people have, you know, people have read the books, uh, people have seen me online or, you know, they've gone to the blog or they've seen me on social media or whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, they have a parasocial relationship with me where they feel like they know me in part because I write in a very style both online and the novels that is very approachable. Um, so there have been times where people have completely lost it having met me because, you know, my books mean something to them or something else that I've written on the blog means something to them. Um, and, and they're nerds and they have a hard time processing, mm -hmm. which I a hundred percent get. I don't expect to pe people to be as excited meeting me as they are, you know, meeting Tom Hanks or when I was meeting Tom Hanks. But there are a lot of people who are excited and flustered by meeting me. And um, and the answer to that is, you know, let them let them have their moment to process because, mm -hmm. you know, um, again, for them, that's an important moment and I don't want to step on it.
Yeah. I was excited. I don't think I was flustered, but I was excited. When we when we saw each other at uh, Balticon? Balticon first, but that was when I had to leave my son to get your autograph because I was worried I was go- I was going to miss it because I had to do my talk. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Were doing your signing. So I let <laughs> I let Frank um, get the autograph, but then I caught you after and I still got to see your your or listen to your reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure that was going to all happen because, again, I was yeah. doing my own thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, anybody who is anybody who has been fanned upon has also been a fan. Right. Yes. You know, the you know, um, you know, the first time I got to meet uh, some of the people whose books that I've been reading my entire life um, was a deeply weird moment. Like I remember Stephen Bruce, whose Jerig series, right, mm-hmm. of books um, were just ones that I absolutely loved. I remember getting to meet him for the first time and just having a conversation like, peer-to-peer conversation and stuff like that and in the back of my mind i'm like oh my god oh my god it's steven bruce oh 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 keep it together dude keep it together um or this is are completely outside of the field um which is there was a uh singer named allison moyer who was in a band that i loved when i was a kid called yaz who was they were electro pop mm-hmm. you know they did mm-hmm. Dep- like depeche mode and stuff like that um, but some of my favorite songs are songs that she sung and she has one of my favorite voices and, uh, we became friends on social media. Right. And she did a tour and, uh, and, she, you know, and I made the, you know, comment was like, well, I know where I'm going to be on September 19th of whatever year it was. And she was like, you should actually, you should absolutely come backstage and say hello. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then we we did the thing where, you know, her manager spoke to me and he was very, you know, it's like, look, you're only going to get like three. It's like, dude, I know how this works. You know, don't (laughs) worry. I'm not going to, you know, but it literally, I, I have been somebody who is, you know, interviewed movie stars and all this sort of stuff. I don't generally outwardly like lose my, my mind. Um, but Chrissy, who came with me, she was like, I have never seen you more quiet than the couple of minutes before you met Alison Moyet. Cause I was just literally like mm-hmm. this person, <laughs> music and, you know, it was so mm-hmm. important to me and she was just the best. I mean, she came and she gave me a great big hug and, and she was like, we have to take a selfie because my husband and daughter are huge fans and I want to make them jealous. And I'm like, I nice. love you. <laughs> that is we, awesome. I, we take the selfies and stuff like that. But, you know, everybody has been in that position. Sure. And and the graciousness that you have gotten from the best of those people, you want to pay forward to the people who are having their fan moment with you. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's always special when they treat you with the respect that you are a fan and you've got a chance to meet them, you know, and that's, that's really, that says a lot about that individual person, you know? Yeah, no, they, 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 they get it. And they've, and like I said, because everybody has been part of that chain. Everybody has someone that they admired. Everybody had someone mm-hmm. that they, they looked up to and you hope that, you know, they, they always, you know, that the saying never meet your idols. It's like, no, you know, it's okay to meet them. You have to understand that they are human, right. Yeah. You know, um, but it is, you know, because and the best of those people understand um, that you are having a moment and they let you have that moment and 
that's that's great when they do. Yeah, I'm Absolutely. I'm usually pretty pretty collected. I met when I met Wilson Cruz earlier this year at one of the conventions. That was the only time I was shaking when I met him, and I don't know why. Mm. I, I really don't know why, but I was and he but he was so sweet. He just held my hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they especially especially the Star Trek people. They they know they know right that how, they how know. crazy we are and mm-hmm. how like oh my gosh we are. But other thing is, I've met several of them. And for some reason, I don't know why Wilson Cruz brought out the like, the like. Well, I he's was darn good looking. So oh, what do you well, expect? My yeah. God, maybe, maybe it was just that. Maybe yeah. I don't know. He's got muscle on top of muscle. Oh my oh God. God. <laughs> well, you know, it's like this past Friday they had uh, the strike. <laughs> I just said for that all the Star, for all the blah blah day for the Star Trek fans at Pyramont, and we had interviews Michelle Hurd and. I ran into her and I was wearing a big sci-fi t-shirt and she came up to me and was so happy to, to, to see me. And then she's the one who gave me a big hug. She's wonderful. We, we know, we oh, know fantastic. how wonderful and, and, she is. But yes. It's just that, but the, the real person who she is, is mm-hmm. the real person yeah. who yeah. she is. That's, that's what I'm getting at. So when you, you meet these people and they're the, they act like they really are you, it's really special, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Yeah. Cool. Well, is there anything we haven't covered that we, we were going to cover tonight? I mean, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I could probably go on for hours and ask you more details about the book and and talk about mm-hmm. Hera in Starter Villain. Hera's my favorite. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. need to read Starter Villain, and they'll they'll fall in love with Hera, too. Hera's the best. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Well, then, everyone, Space Cadets. I, I just have one last thing to <laughs> say, yeah. John. Yeah, it's I've said this before and I said again to other people, it's people like you that remind people like me how little talent we have. (laughs) (laughs) So true. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Again, this is from a man who could write music and I can barely hum and he knows that. Well, I'm going to say my more serious, like a more serious (laughs) version of that, Um, Mm -hmm. like I have wanted to be a science fiction writer since I could remember and it is, you know, there's only a handful of authors out there that I can say truly are like, this is kind of what I'm aspiring to be. And mm-hmm. you might be the only living one of those right now. Wow. I'm still a huge mm-hmm. Asimov fan and stuff like that. But I think um, I really seriously, when my, my dad put your first book in my hand and yeah, I was like, this is, this is great. This is the, you know, and especially your standalones, like that's. This is what I'm aspiring to. And this is what I'm thinking about when I'm working really hard on the craft and, and trying to be better. So, so thank you for, for the inspiration. Thank you. That's, that's genuinely the nicest thing I've heard all day. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Well then on that, we are gonna, we're going to close the airlock on this Mm -hmm. scholarific episode (laughs) of the sci-fi podcast. Yes. So cheesy. Well, to say this has been a, it's going to get cheesier. Just give me a second. Okay. (laughs) To say this has been a treat would be like calling a lightsaber a nifty glow stick. Oh, eh? oh. I mean, to be fair, it is a nifty glow stick. It absolutely is a nifty glow stick. Okay, fair. Well, look, we we want to just say thank you so much, John. Again, I said it, my favorite living sci-fi author and the person who I'm convinced could write dialogue for a sentient piece of asparagus and make it compelling. For I've got all this cheesy stuff here, but now I think I'm getting into the, the serious part, you know. So to our listeners, our cherished listeners, I do have some homework. 
If you were a scholarly novice before today, I challenge you to dive into his catalog and, and get reading or listening, remembering that Will Wheaton is the perfect pairing with Scalzi's novels. And of course, as always, if you want to interact and chat with us, join our Facebook group or find us on Instagram or Twitter, or you can always drop us a note at the big sci-fi podcast at gmail.com. And a cool shout out to the Trek Geeks podcast network. We're proud Ooh. to be a part of the Trek Geeks network. And in addition to the, sci the big sci-fi podcast, you will find other really cool and entertaining podcast at trekkeeks.com like the sci-fi sisters and i mentioned mm. them in particular because all three of us trek geeks us and sci-fi sisters we will be at trek long island next the very end of may very beginning of june mm -hmm. so get your tickets now kids so until we sync our subspace channels again treat your fellow life forms with respect and care and may you live long and prosper till we reconvene on the big sci-fi podcast